Okay, let's do this. So, Jay, Jay, welcome yes. to the board. Welcome. Um, please give us a nice introduction who you are, etc. Wow. What we do. Who are you currently? Where are you currently? Like all the <laughs> important detail. <laughs> wow. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am, my name is Che. My government name is Rebecca Macelli, but everyone calls me Che, you know, so I am a woman who's been graced to wear many hats. I am a media personality. I am an actress. I do radio. I am a communications consultant. I am currently an author, a public speaker. <laughs> and as of yesterday, I just passed my international life coaching certification. So I graduate in a few weeks. And Congrats. yeah, that's, that's where I am currently. I know that the Lord is, is, has got so many things ahead uh, for me, but that is where I am now. And I am grateful for where he's brought me and what he has ahead of me. Wait, first and foremost, congratulations. Let, let's, let's, Thank let's, you. Let's, let's Thank you so much. You just say what you just said. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank Secondly, you. are you not tired? No, um, just listening, listening to this um, discovery of what you do, <laughs> right. it sounds a bit strenuous. It sounds a bit like, gosh, are you not, are you not exhausted? How do you um, maintain see, all this? You see, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's, if, God's, if God's called you to run the race, he's given you the grace. Oh, I'll say that again. If God has called you yeah. to run what? If God's called you to run the race, he's given you the grace. And so, you yeah. know, there's actually a Bible verse that says, he who puts his hand to the plow and, and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. And so when God calls me for something and mm. says, I want you to do this because it's going to help you do this. Mm. It's up to me to adjust. You know, today we, ha today we, ha we heard something good about being adaptable. So if you don't know you better learn how to coach people because God's calling you to do something in that area. If you don't know how to write a book, God's calling you to write a book because he wants to use it to go around the world. So you need mm. to learn how to be an author. You need to get the mind of an author. You know, you have to you have to partner with God and adapt to what he's calling you to do. Yeah. Before we dive into how you got here, uh, yeah. you said something so profound. I know who you're referencing. I know who I know exactly who you're referencing. Right. Because they're in proximity to me. You say yeah. that you heard something about being adaptive. What did you hear that from? Who was that about? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I am a distant spiritual mentee of mm. Elevate Now and of Apostle Toby Araimi. Yeah. And, you know, he's, 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 yeah, God's, God's definitely using him mightily in my life. Actually, the whole life coaching and me branding myself as an author and a speaker mm. and, you know, coming up with a plan and everything came from him. I've been following him for about probably a year and a half or two now wow and he's he's definitely someone who's he's i have three mentors i have three mm, mentors mm. he's one of them um three three distinct mentors apostle toby Rami, rusi tenbequayo and cindy trim dr cindy why, trim. why those three specifically can you because um you see this is the thing about when you're picking mentors mentors have to be people who have walked the race or who have walked the path where you want to go right mm. and this is i'm particularly going to speak about apostle toby yeah apostle toby is somebody who is 
unapologetically who he is. We live in a world, listen, we live in a world that punishes intelligent people. Mm. You know, especially when you're a believer, you have to be humble. You know, mm. people, people, like if you're intelligent and brilliant, you have to bring yourself down to a level to make other people comfortable, you know. Mm. But that's something that I've struggled with all my life, you know. I, I was born a brilliant kid. I've always been brilliant, but I, I sometimes I had to find, I found myself in, in circles where I had to drink or to get high just so I could fit in with the people around me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so where I am now, when I got to lis- listen, the first time I, I listened to Apostle Toby, mm. my spirit, like literally, I won't say too much, but even God showed me that mm. you need to start listening to this guy. Yeah, yeah. And he's cha- like my my life has changed. He's he's one of my mentors. God is using him mightily, and yeah, he he's unapologetically brilliant, like who yes. he is. You know, he knows that he's a light, and that's what we as believers need to be. We need to be confident in who we are. Hebrews ten thirty five tells us, "Do not lose your confidence, for therein lies your reward." Ooh. Right. So I'm, um, you know, Dang. it's. If you, you know, you, 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 you saw your reaction when I told you I'm a radio personality and yeah. actress, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. I have to say that with confidence because mm-hmm. I can God has graced me to do it. So wh- what on. am I going to do? Remove two titles, three titles to make you feel, no. To make if you feel God's called you to be an ego, you better ruffle some chicken feathers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know what? Are you sure you know? Are you not a writer? Are you not a rapper? You know, like I I do music, and and your wordplay is sensational. It it is honestly, it's impressive. Right. Um, Where you do poetry, like like it's it's crazy because music's been a huge part of me. I'm not really, I'm not necessarily an artist, but Mm. for ten years I was a a reggae dancehall DJ uh, in my home country. Yeah. So music is that's why even when I went into radio, it was easy for me. Because music is just a part of me. I, 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 I can't run from it. Even when, you know, from, from the world and I came this way, you know, God was like, listen, that's the one thing. When I got born again, I said, God, don't take music from me. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, he opened up a door for me to get onto uh, the biggest Christian radio station in the country. I'd never done radio and God just thrust me there. And I knew it was grace because everyone was like, who's this chick? Wasn't she smoking and drinking in bars before? Oh, but you know, when God says yes, Ooh. Hey. yeah, man. <laughs> Gosh, listen, we've got a lot to dive into, and, and I'm, I'm super, yeah. super, I'm super excited. And I want people to kind of get a, a deep dive on who you are. Like, where are you currently located? I'm in London, UK. So, where are right. you currently located? I'm currently in Nairobi, Kenya. I came here to study. Mm-hmm. Uh, my life coaching certification and also on I'm on an apostolic mission I'm supporting an apostolic mission to plant uh, a, a not really a church but to plant a movement here because you see my brain here my brain is just working right now I'm I'm in every multiverse of yours right now you you've you've launched me into everywhere right now yeah but not everyone can go in everywhere like me and you you gotta bring him here right so you have about eight hats that you wear. On top of that, you are helping launch a movement, an apostolic yes. movement. Yes, my spiritual father is a prophet, um, and he's setting some. He's 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 an apostolic prophet, and so we're launching out. And this is the first anniversary of the movement. It's called "Don't Sleep on Jesus Nation" (DSOJ Nation). Oh. Wow. And so 
Yeah, and so we're awakening a community of Jesus people all over the globe. And one of the hubs, the first hubs is going to be here in Nairobi. I don't want to say too much because no, it's going to be so deep. Um, yeah. yeah, but but it's it's such a blessing. It's it's it's. I mean, I love to serve. I love to serve. I, I know the reward that comes from serving. The greatest among you will be a servant. You know, board. don't yeah. don't be trying to look for titles and trying to be looked for. When you have the opportunity to serve a grace, yeah, you need to hold on to that. You know, yeah. you are a, you are a walking contradiction to to our generation or my generation or the ones beneath because they're so they're so convinced. I'm, and they're gonna they're gonna probably kill me for this, but you know what? I said I'm happy being the villain as long as everyone gets saved and free. One day yeah. you will think, one day you can say, you know what? This is like, thank you. And I would say, you're welcome. You know, because we're living a time, we're living a time where everyone is so eye centered. You know, I don't know yeah. whether it's intentional. I don't know whether it's it's lack of knowledge or as our apostle would say, <laughs> lack of right. Wisdom. <laughs> but it's lack of wisdom but it's like i've understood that servantship is what actually exalts you it's true it's it's what opens the hearts of kings like I, i've I, and queens of course like if you really want to become great just serve mm-hmm. and I, and serve not from a place of trying to gain access but serve because you genuinely believe in what you're serving yeah you know, and naturally, what would happen? The law of attraction, as they call it now in the world, this, this yeah, new, yeah. But we know what it's ripple. You rip what you saw in the Bible. You rip what you saw. They're trying to give it this new fancy way of saying it, but I will, right. I will succumb to that for the sake of conversation. Yeah, the law of attraction. What it would do then is that it would then give you the the exchange of your action. Absolutely, which is what is you rip what you saw. So exactly, let's talk about you. <laughs> Right. Walk me through from a young age. How did you grow up? What was that like? What was your thought process? Did you ever envision yourself becoming a multifaceted woman, a woman that can do 10 things I've counted so far and there's more to come? Was that ever in your mind when you're growing up? And what was your support system like from your family, from your parents Mm -hmm. and your friends, even a man sharing that? Okay. Um, I grew up in a a relatively well-to-do family. Uh, My father is a retired pilot. My mom was a businesswoman. I traveled a lot when I was a kid, mostly to the US and the UK. Um, I had my, my, my older siblings. They're now in the US and the UK, but me and my elder brother who I follow stayed here because we were much younger than everybody else. Um, when my parents met, they had children. So when they met, they had me and my elder brother. And so everybody else flew out of the country and we grew up in Uganda. And, you know, my dad being a pilot was always on the move, right? And so it came to a point where he was moved from Uganda to Kenya to work for the national airline there. And so home was just me, my brother, and my mom. And I was a kid, literally a kid. And so I did not see a lot of the things that were happening at home. I was very oblivious of them because I was seeing life through the the eyes and the lenses of a kid. But as the years went by, I started to notice that, you know, my my mom loved a party. I grew up in an environment where we had parties, like which is is why it's not even surprising that I was able to live 15 years of just partying and addiction and all of that. I grew up in a house where we had parties, like from Wednesday to Sunday was parties. Like my mom would have an excuse to, it was an excuse every day. (laughs) I'd come, Wednesday we'd have barbecue and Aunt So-So is home. Thursday there's hoo-hoo and there's drinks and there's food. And she loved to cook. She loved having, she loved being around people. 
And as the years went by, yes, it was. It was fun as a kid. Your cousins are home. You get to play. But, you know, as I grew up, now when I got to, like, the ages of 9 and 10, I started to see that my mom had started acting, like, out of character. I was in a day primary school. She'd forget to pick me up from school. And so I'd be the last kid at school. Yeah, on multiple occasions. And so, you know, sometimes I'd come out of class and I find the housemaid standing there waiting to take me home or she sent like a cab to come and pick me up. I was a kid, I never asked questions. But over time, you know, she, it was just weird. Like one day she'll come out of the house and she's dressed and she's happy and music is blaring and she's cooking. The next day she walks out of the house unkempt, glassy eyed, she's looking in the distance. There's a bottle of alcohol in front of her. You didn't know what version you were gonna get, right? I was like, this was now like nine, 10 years old. Is it nine, what? 10 years old? So Yeah, so about like, nine, 10 years old. So you're nine, 10 years old. So far, mm -hmm. all you've seen yeah. is part, not party, but enjoyment, as the young ones would say. You've it's literally enjoyment, enjoyment yeah. but, but you've also seen what the, new term of society bipolar behavior where yes. it's one moment this person is cheerful yeah the happiest person I've ever seen the right. next moment I'm thinking mom is that you or you couldn't even ask her you're you're yeah. risking a beating you couldn't even oh. ask yeah, and you're like nine was... you're seeing it's at nine yeah like it was it was crazy you just didn't know what you were gonna get so wow. it became so weird in the house. I had a fear, not even a fear of reverence, but it was just, I was afraid of my mom. If she walked into a room, I would walk out. That, like that's what it became. Cause I didn't know she would, she, she, she'd hit you for, for no reason. You understand? Like you didn't know what mood she would be in. And so people just started tiptoeing around her in the house. Like I would always be in my room. I was a very artsy kid. My dad taught me how to read and I loved how to, uh, writing and drawing. I was such a creative, I, I am a creative. And so I'd be in my room drawing or listening to music or, you know, doing whatever, being a kid. And I did that because I just didn't want to be around her. You know, after school, she'd pick me up and I was doing homework in bars till like 11 p.m. And I have to be at school at 7 a.m. the next day. Wait, so let me just pause there. So while the enemy, the devil, was trying to almost beat you up, mm -hmm. God was training you for your future. Like simultaneously. Obviously, exactly. at, at, at nine years old, you didn't know that you were becoming radio presenter, a TV personality, all this stuff right. that you become, which were actually your training ground because an oppression that you're feeling absolutely what so, the enemy meant for evil god meant for what always always you please know. proceed i, I just i just and saw so, the local narration there right and so you know all this is happening my dad is in is in nairobi i'm a kid i'm not going to walk up to my my dad and say your wife drinks you know and stuff like that so one day, I do remember this very vividly, and, and my friends actually remember it. I have friends, three friends I've had from childhood. We're still friends. And we were in the same school, same class. And we had sleepovers at each other's homes. Like, we'd rotate each and every weekend. And so this weekend, it was my mom's turn to look to take us all for, you know, it's a sleepover. Then Sunday, we're going swimming. And so sun, Sunday morning, um, 9 a.m. clocks, 10 a.m. clocks, my mom's room is not opening. I'm like, goodness, this again. 
Oh With, no. At this age I was I was nine. I was nine. And so I go to the room and then I knock at the door. And then, you know, it's like she's not opening. She's not opening. And then eventually she opens the door and she's in her nightgown and she's she's like a total mess. You could like in hindsight, I now see she was hung over, like she'd been drinking in her room. Can I ask a question, please? Yeah. At this point, where were your friends? Where were my friends? Yeah, or were they on the way to the house or were they all no, the No, they house? were in the kitchen. We were making breakfast. Uh-huh. Like it's a sleepover. Yeah, we it's sleep over at each other people's house. So you can't you can't really readjust the situation and say, hey guys, come tomorrow. Or yeah, come no, tomorrow. that but they actually knew that that's you know they because they were always at home all the time. They knew uh, they knew. They knew what they what knew. They knew what was coming. And even their parents knew. Oh, so everyone so the, yes, everyone's ready. Everyone was ready. Every like I mean. Do you understand? Mm. Like they're the ones who are home in the middle of the week for the barbecues and the parties. Oh. You understand what I, they knew. Do you, do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just need you to know, Uganda is a very like if you look at the alcohol index in the world, Uganda has always been up there. It's actually called Party Central of Africa. You know, it's it's crazy, which is why the addiction addiction rates are like skyrocketed. It, it's it's actually the a, a pandemic over here. It's insane. But uh, moving back to the story. So mom opens the door, she's in her nightgown and she's hammered. And I tell her, mom, you're supposed to take her swimming. And she's like, okay, let me get ready. And so she doesn't even change, she's in her nightgown and we get into the car. It's a heavy car, it's an SUV and she's driving. And I'm in the front seat, my three friends are in the back and we're driving. The, the, The swimming place is like a five minute drive from home, right? And so we're driving, we're driving and I kid you not, we turned, we made a turn. And as the car was moving on the road, I this was literally the Holy Spirit. I now remember. The, like there was a nudging in me that told me, look at mom in that moment. And I turned to my right and my mom had passed out on the wheel. It's 11 a.m. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah? So wait, wait, you were nine, 10 years old. I, yeah. I was nine. I was nine. You're nine years old. This incident, yeah. And you are going to swim, yeah. Yeah. Mom is taking the SUV. <laughs> yes. She's on the behind the wheel, drunk yeah. or hung hangover. Yeah. Then lights out. She passed out, and like I that. you not, if I hadn't looked over, we something was going to happen because in that moment, I remember. I was in the car and there was this heavy nudging in my chest that told me, look over at mom. Because when I'm in the car, I don't look left, right. You know, it's an SUV. My head Mm. is literally, the dashboard is here. I can literally not see the road. So I'm just looking straight at the dashboard. But something told me, look over at mom. And I looked over and she had passed out. And when I looked over, I stretched my little hands to grab the steering steering. wheel because the car was veering off the road. My friends are in the back screaming and the car was veering off the road. Now, my mom had passed out. She passed out for literally, I think it was like seven, eight seconds. And then she woke up. So basically, When she woke up, it was like nothing had happened. She smacked me across my face and was like, do you think you're old enough to drive? Why are you holding my steering wheel? And listen, I'm, I was old enough to know you don't talk back to an African mom. No, impossible. Not a drunk one at that. Impossible. Not a drunk one at that. Mm-hmm. And so I took my beating and I just sat in the car and we, the car, like we just drove 
got to the swimming place and everyone got out of the car and they bought us food like chips and chicken and soda and we swam and the day just passed like that and we forgot about it. So really and truly, you were leaving Fast and Furious before Fast and Furious. Forever. Listen, you have no idea. Like, that's an understatement. <laughs> you, were, you were like young Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have no idea. It's crazy. It was crazy. Oh, it was crazy. And it just got worse after that. It just got worse and worse and worse. Look, before we get, before we go to how it got worse, how did this play on your confidence on your self-esteem on just the young ch- uh, Kate child she mm-hmm. the, the young you the young version of you the young the, the, yeah I won't say her name again I promise I, I've been it now I've been it yeah I've been it yeah how did it play on the young version of you like what what did I do to did it make you more confined did, did it make you maybe not shrink or become like I can't really voice how I feel. I can't really voice my opinion. I can't really say, even though what you did actually preserved five lives. If we're entirely yeah. honest, you saved five lives, but you got punished for saving five lives. How did that play on your mind? How did that play on your confidence? Um, I actually got to find out, especially when I was writing uh, my book, I got to find out because writing the book was my healing process. There's a lot of stuff I didn't feel as a child. And so I started to actually make a lot of sense of some things. Um, I had I had a very strained relationship with my mom from when I was about eight years old to the time that she passed. When I was when when I was uh, she passed when I was fourteen. I had a very strained relationship with her. Sorry to I hear never, that. I, yeah, I, I I I was more drawn to my dad, but now see, my father was never around. And so I recoiled, like I was constantly in my room. I never opened up to anyone. The only other person in the house was my brother, who he was the opposite of me. He was his father's son. He was into aeroplanes and computers and chemistry and mixing chemicals. I just want to draw and write. I want to know top of the pops, who's number one, who's number seven, who's number seven, who's number one. You know what's so crazy? Yeah. Our lives are so parallel. Minus the fact that my mom is still alive. Like, yeah. as I live, I've got the same type of, um, I'm not abusive because it's the wrong word. Yeah, no, you know the funny thing? For the yeah. sake of this podcast, I will, I will just say this. We're going to have an interesting conversation after, mm-hmm. after this, after you switch off the recording. Perfect. But yeah. 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 Our lives are so similar in terms of like, I've got the same strange friendship with my mother and I'm more drawn to my dad. Even though mm. I live, but my brother is more like my mom. So it's that like I'm more like the creative one. I, all I want to do is just go in my room, get my guitar, write songs, find out where who's number one in music, number, number one in film, number one yeah. in podcast, number one in whatever fashion, whatever it is. Thank you. you know? Thank so you. I kind of I was, relate to you. Listen, story, I, was, yeah. I was into pop culture. Mm. As Listen, I had no business as a child knowing. Donald Trump. Listen, I can tell you about Donald Trump in 2000, 2001, 2002, like from top to bottom, A to Z. Do you understand? Mm. I, I was a kid. I wasn't even a teenager, but I, I was into pop culture that much. Like mm. I knew everything that was happening in Hollywood, in the UK, in Ireland, in England. I knew it was crazy. But so anyway, um, in hindsight, I now see God was preparing me for nations, but mm. let's move on. Um, I, 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 as the years went by, I just started to recoil. 
you know, and I just looked forward to getting done with elementary school so I could go to, to secondary because that was boarding school and now it's freedom, you know, and you don't have to be in the house. Yeah. Now I'm free and all of that. And so I get to boarding school and, you know, life just goes on, right? And now mom is home. Goodness knows what was happening when we were not there because now the kids are not in the house where boarding school, she'd come visit us at school, come back. And now what happened is when I was when I was 14 in my form three, I used, first of all, I was a very sporty kid. I was a brilliant kid. Yeah, I was a brilliant kid. I was, I was a sporty, I was a, you know, the, you know, a cool kid. I was a cool kid, but I was really brilliant. Like I was about my books. I, I get you. Yeah, cause my dad, like I did everything for my dad. Everything I asked my dad for, anything I asked my dad for, he provided. Mm. I never lacked anything, clapped it. I kid you know, I never lacked anything. And so I always made sure I brought home a good report card, mm. right? And so I was all about my books, but I was always keeping up with the trends. You know, I was all about my books, but I was, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, but I was also a very, I've always been a very ambitious child. I was always mm. into things like the writer's club, debate club. I, I, I played so many sports. I played basketball. I played tennis I played cricket now cricket I was part of the of the school's team right mm. so when I was 14 they they selected me to go to Zambia to represent the country in a, a British council conference about cricket and stuff like that so my teacher comes and she calls me out of class and she says hey so um you're going to Zambia and all this and I'm so excited and she tells me do you have a passport and all this I'm like yeah I have a passport so she tells me okay we've already called your mom your mom's coming to pick you up my mom came to pick me up at 4 p.m. and she was so late, Clapton. She was so drunk. I was, oh. listen, I was so excited for, the, yeah, she was, she was like tripping. First of all, it was excitement and drunk, drunkenness because she was like, my child is go yeah, going yeah. to, you know. So she reverted to what she knew best to kind of help her celebrate. Exactly. Yeah. So she you know we go home for me i was just like i just want to get on the plane and go like i'm not going to deal with all this drama i'm not going to deal with all of this we get home i'm packing my stuff we had to leave home at midnight because my flight was at 5 a.m so i had to check in by 2 a.m and so i'm packing my stuff and my mom is on phone she was so drunk she was on phone calling people just dialing people that's when we had the landlines yeah so she's just dialing people and saying my daughter is, is flying out, my daughter is flying out. And I'm just like, you know what? She's happy and all that. My mom was a very good soul, by the way. She was mm. not a bad person. She was, she, lo she loved helping people. At mm. any point in my life, I remember we lived with either a cousin or a family friend's child. You know, my mom, she always opened the house to people. She was mm. generous. She was a lover of life. Mm. And so I remember that day she was on phone with somebody and I heard a very large thud come from her room. And so I went running because it didn't sound like a safe thud. So I ran to the room and she was on the ground, passed out and the phone was like next to her head. And so I go and I'm shaking her awake and I say, and then she, she wakes up and then she like backhands me and she's like, why are you waking me up? Like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, you're literally on the floor. And I, I'm like, you know what, Shay? we have a flight. We're going to Zambia. Let's not deal with this. I went back to my room. I packed my stuff. And I remember thinking, I'm not sitting in the car if she's driving because she was really drunk. And so she yeah, called one you, of you, you had PTSD from Fast and Furious when you're nine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, of course. 
Rightfully so. You got Evan right. So you got Evan. Say, hold on. I've been here before. Listen, it didn't happen just one time. It happened many on several occasions. That's what I'm trying to say. You know what? That happened when I was nine. I'm now fourteen. See, I've been trying to figure out why Fast and Furious they keep remaking these movies. They don't don't get tired. Clearly, they're getting it's your life story. They're getting Ah, ah. you're drained from you. (laughs) So I want to. It's because you you a struggle, Clapton. Honestly. Yeah. So you're not. Jeez. Yeah. So what happens is she calls her brother, and her brother is the one who drives us to the airport. I'm in the back of the car, seething with anger, just waiting to get to you know departures and just go right i just wanted to leave and she's drunk the entire way she bought a bottle of alcohol you know the huge 750 milliliter bottles she would do two in a day she would send me to go to the shops and buy this was when i was a kid so goodness knows when i was in boarding school how much she was doing and so she bought a bottle on the way you know she's happy music is blaring she's Olin, listen, she was a happy woman, yeah? And we get to the airport, I'm so angry. And I remember I walked through the departures gate. I was walking with my luggage, just walking in front of her. And I remember I didn't even say bye to her. I crossed the gate and I, I, you know, I I was so annoyed. I was so angry. And she was like, you're not even gonna say bye to me. You know, like, you're not even gonna hug me goodbye. Anyway, get me something nice. You know, she was screaming and I was just angry and irritated. I'm like, whatever, you know, and I check in and, you know, I get on the plane, I go to Zambia. Zambia was good. I was there for about four, four days, four or five days. It was an amazing time. My first time in Southern Africa. And on the, on the journey back, I remember the night before we traveled, I fell really ill, like really, really ill. And I was like, man, what's going on? I was shivering the entire way. And on the flight back, I was supposed to meet my dad in Nairobi so he could, I could give him the camera on the stopover in Nairobi at the airport. But, you know, I, I didn't, I couldn't find him. I was like, what is going on? So I got into the flight and connected straight to Uganda. And I get to Uganda and I find my two aunts standing at the airport. And I'm like, this has been the story since primary school. Mom is too drunk to come pick me. So we get in the car, you know, and we drive all the way home. And then about like, 500 meters from home, one of my aunts, the one who seated with me in the back tells me, hey, um, Rebecca, you, you need to be strong. Um, mom passed away on Saturday. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mom dropped me at the airport on, on Thursday night. And it's now Tuesday. And they're like, um, she, she passed away. And I'm like, you guys can be serious. So now the car is getting closer to home. And as we pull up to the block where home is, now I can see the school bus, like my, my, my school bus is there, which means there's students, there's tents, there's so many cars. Like it was a vigil. And I'm like, you guys are like, what do you like mom? And then I see my dad and my brother coming to grab me. And that's when I just fell weak in the knees. Cause I remember like, I couldn't even cry because I was like, I didn't even say bye to her. And it hit me and, and it, in, in the last few years, I actually realized that I didn't mourn my mom's death because the entire time I didn't cry. It was so weird. I didn't cry. I didn't mourn my mom's death because I couldn't believe that she had died. I, it took me 15 years to realize that my mom had actually passed. 
15 years. And so, years. yeah, because... Can I ask it, a question? Mm -hmm. so prior to your arrival back home from your time in Zambia, yeah. Had you brought your mum a gift or anything that yes, you did say did. Oh, on your way back? Can you please? Bring yeah, something? I did. I so bought her never... a really nice cooking set because she loved to cook. I bought a really nice. Wow. Zambia is is home to a very nice. I forget the name of the the the. It's a it's a mineral. It's valuable. Mm. It's blue. So there was a very nice cooking set at this market that was made of wood and that that mineral. It was so beautiful. I was like, I'm getting this for mom. Like she's gonna love it. And I'd got you her never, and I'd got her jewelry, I'd got a lot of stuff. So she never actually got to receive the gift that she asked for. Yeah. That is so, I'm so sorry, that is heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's like, it, it makes you like, I think, just listen to the story. And I hope that anyone that listens to the story, they should make peace with what they're going to make peace with. Even if those people have wronged you, whatever capacity, in whatever way they've wronged you. Yeah. This should be a living example. Even, the, even if the parent that's wronged the child, I'm sure there'd be yeah. parents that would listen to this. You know, if you know your child has grievance against you because of your behavior, mm -hmm. and actions, put that pride aside because you never know where right. you're, you're going to go. And then now that child like, has tomorrow to Tomorrow is not promised. You exactly. Know. And now that child has to live 15 years. Yeah. Trying to understand your, your departure and also exactly. blaming themselves and what if I had you know. said goodbye? What if I had given that hug? But that child was only trying to preserve themselves because right. of that of the indirect abuse they were receiving from your end so yeah. wow that's really deep that's really police current sorry yeah so i mean life kind of like just went on it was now my dad and my brother but my dad used to live in nairobi so it was just me and my brother in the house so first of all i was that kind of kid i was i wasn't that kid who was into like partying and who was rebellious and all that nonsense i used to hear all these stories of other kids in other schools jumping fences to go party and i'm, and I'm like like you all think that's cool like but you can just and I remember, <laughs> yeah and i remember growing up seeing what alcohol did to my mom i grew up i grew up I, I made a vow. I said, I will never drink alcohol in my life because I, I despised it. I hated it because of what it did to her. And um, I'm, I'm just summarizing and, and just because there's just a lot I could tell you about the effects of alcohol um, that I saw on my mom. Part two, where we discuss the impact of alcoholism, where it's a completely different conversation, just focused entirely it's on that. It's a different, listen, it's a alcoholism is a monster addiction it's a monster people people just hear hear the the the, 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 the words from the conversations from mm. you know addiction breaks families addiction causes this and this i've experienced it firsthand mm. yeah it's 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 a terrible thing but um anyway life moved on um i was a good kid so a year later when i turned 15 um, I vowed as like, you know, I, I'm never going to take alcohol. I wasn't even into that stuff, you know. And so a friend of mine from school one day called me up. It was like 11 in the night. I used to stay up watching music videos and TV because I had nothing to do. I was in my senior fall vacation. Yeah. Mm. So I'm just watching MTV, you know, reading magazines and watching movies. My brother is in his room doing flight simulator and whatever. So I'm a friend of mine calls me and is like, hey, we would talk every day on phone. So this day he calls me up, it was a Friday. And he calls me up and he's like, hey, so what do you think about me taking you out tonight? I was like, what? You heathen, how dare you? Like, what makes you think? Like, you can just call me up at 11. Do you, you know the kind of 
you understand? <laughs> I'm 15. I'm like, why are you even talking about going out? Like, what kind of person are you? He's like, no, chill. Like, it's not even what people think. First of all, I used to go out with my mom when I was a kid. So I knew that I knew what nightlife was. I didn't want no part of that. Okay. Mm. I, I didn't want any part of that. And so he he manages to convince me. He's like, no, I have my brother's car. I'm just gonna take you out two hours, mm. we'll be back home. Yeah. I'm like, you know what, whatever. He was a really good friend of mine. And so he convinced me, I dressed up and you know, I got into the car and we went out. And that was my first night out, like out, out in the night like that. I was 15. I walked into a club. It wasn't even a bar, a club. They didn't ask us for IDs. I walked in and there was, I was just in so much shock of what I, what I was seeing. Like men are looking at you like prey. Women are dressed how they want. They're looking at you like you want their men. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, guys, I'm, I like, I couldn't even explain to them that I've just been dragged here. You know, I was just fighting. And, and, and I'm a kid. Yeah. <laughs> in my defense, I'm just a child, right? Exactly. But it was a crazy night. That was the first time I got to taste um, alcohol. And the thing is, I didn't know what intoxication felt like. So I didn't know when I was getting intoxicated. Oh, and dear. my first drink was, I'm a sweet tooth. I get it from my father. Well, I love sweet tooth. Listen, I, I live off sweets and sugar. I'm like a bee. Honestly, they, they had to take me to get a root canal for me to kind of stop <laughs> having sweets. Even, even after that, I'm still having sweets. So really and truly, we need to have a conversation of deliverance. <laughs> it's so we need deliverance. But um, so I get to the club. And you know the my friend the button the, the, the button even knows his name <laughs> he's fifteen the button knows his name and you know um, they offer me drinks they show me beers the beers were ugly by then the bottles were not these sleek bottles you see yeah. now they were those really fat and ugly things so I said I don't want any of your strong drinks and your gins and your whatever because they were just reminding me of my mom and so there was a cider that had just come out at the time I don't want to mention the brand. Very mm. popular, known all over the world. And it had just come out and the fridge looked so beautiful and fluorescent. And, you know, it lit up the entire bar. And I said, whatever that is, it looks sweet. It looks mm. decent. I'm going to have that. And it was so sweet. And it tasted like literal. It had a citrus zesty taste, mm. but it was sweet. And so well, they're, there was they're, an they're, offer. They're the best ones. Yeah? They're the, they're the best ones. Because they, they, they yeah. get you for you. You know, they're getting you. Exactly. And so... Um, the, there was an offer. Alcohol is so cheap in Africa. It's ridiculously cheap. And so the offer was in batches of three, three mm. for a certain price, three for a certain price. And so they brought me the first one. I'm seated. Like everybody else is on the dance floor dancing. I told my friend, I'm going to remain at the counter. I like, I, I don't know what's happening in that dance floor. Mm. I'm going to stay here where the light is. I don't want any part of that. You know, I had my glasses on. I've worn glasses since I was a teenager. You, you could so see it 4K. You could see everything I clearly. needed to see. <laughs> clearly. Right. So I drink the first, I take the first, the first sip and I keep drinking because it's sweet, but I don't know that it's going to get me buzzed. Mm. So I keep drinking. Next thing I know, you know, the second bottle is down. Next thing you know, the third bottle is down. Next thing you know, you know, the music is sounding different. I'm like, I know these songs, but you know, today just sounds mm. a little, you know, the shoulders, first hey. the shoulders, 
once the shoulders go, you're going to. <laughs> you might have just it went say, downhill from there. Next yeah. thing I knew, the knees, I wasn't even seated on the stool anymore. Now I was standing. Midwood had said, I'm not going to stand. You're Next thing I knew, now. I was no, in the middle of the, the dance you're now yeah. on the table now, yeah. Yeah, I was now heading to the dance floor. All I knew is that in the space of about, in the space of about two hours, I had done about nine bottles. Yeah, and I was dancing. Listen, and so my friend comes and tells me, "Che, mm. you're drunk. I need to get you home." And so I was rebelling at this point. I was so drunk. I said, Dang. I'm, you know, those people who are so drunk, but they don't know and they don't well, want to. They're sober. They're, 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 they'll tell you, I got to take you home. That, you know. <laughs> that was me. I told him, no, I don't want to leave. He said, Che, hmm. your brother is going to kill me. I need to take you home now. I kid you not. I don't know how I went home. Um, okay. I know he dropped me home. I don't know how I got into bed. All I know is I woke up the next day. Uh -huh. At midday, I, I looked for my phone. I checked my phone. The time was midday. Mm. My shoes were on. My jeans were on. My top was on. I was holding my bag in my, in my bed. And I see the time and it's midday. My head is pounding. I, my throat is dehydrated. I felt so terrible. But I kid you not, the first thing I did in that terrible state, I picked up mm. my phone and I called my friend and I asked him, where are we today? Mm. And that was the beginning of the next 15 years of dysfunction. So really and truly, if, if we go back to what you said at 14, was mm -hmm. that after your mom passed, you had alcohol, never drink. And there's something that I think Jordan Peterson said, or one of the great thinkers of our time said, said that you become what you hate. It's better to say that yep. if you don't actually take time to confront the very thing that hurt you mm -hmm. unintentionally you become it or right. if you feel from it unintentionally you begin to manifest it you yeah. know so imagine imagine a 14 year old you looking at the present you Man. they're seeing their mom again they're seeing history repeat itself again they're mm -hmm. thinking hold on did we not survive this to go into yeah this and how did you then? Uh, yeah, you, I know it's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, it's um, heavy. How did you look at something? Because I'm sure, because you 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 strike me as a very conscious person, right? Um, as someone, even I'm sure, even then, you were still aware of what was going on internally and externally. How yeah. did you then look at something in the mirror, knowing that you'd become your mother, knowing that you'd become the very thing that abused you that you know that kind of the, fun the funny thing is i didn't even realize it at that moment i realized mm. this about five years later when i was deep into it because at that time now i was i had now been exposed to it and i loved i loved what came with it you know it was now i was chilling with the cool kids because it's the cool kids who had all the parties and the drinking and all that you know um I never had any company at home. And so here I was being affirmed by these people because I was, a, you know, they were living this lifestyle and now I mm. wanted to be a part of that life. And so next thing I knew is, you know, we, bec you know, we become our habits. You know, what and began, what began as one harmless drink became turned into a harmful drinking lifestyle. And could you also, could I be wrong to say that um, 
you kind of forgot your true essence because when you were nine, you said that you were popular. You're already yeah. cool. You're already cool with the cool kids. You're already yeah. part of the cool kids, even though you are intellectually advanced. Yeah. Right. So what happened that made you forget who you were? Because really and truly, you're now seeking affirmation from people that you're already part of without knowing. Remember, at nine years old, you already knew that you were accepted within this demographic yeah. of people. You're already part of the elect. Right. So what happened that made you feel like you had to now go beg the very committee you're already part of? You know, this is the funny thing. Um, it it really it really became I wasn't I wasn't even conscious of that. What I was looking for was the feeling that alcohol gave me. What That's was that just feeling? what it was. Let well, me tell you something about alcohol yeah. and substances. Like alcohol doesn't taste good. Let no one lie to you that alcohol tastes good. People, no, it burns. It burns. I'll, I'll, it I'll burns. It's it bitter. Burns. It's, it's not work. good. People are after the temporal feeling or the temporal experience that they get when they ingest it. That's mm. what they're after. And so subconsciously, that's what you start, you know, going for, right? I wasn't even thinking about, you know, share we have dreams and ambitions. That went, that went out the window. You understand? Mm. Because now this became my lifestyle. This became my life, right? Mm. Right through high school. When I got through, by the time I was done with high school, when I was 17, I was a seasoned drinker. Seasoned. I was drinking with grown men. Out you're, drinking you're an expert. Them. I was if there's anything higher than a PhD I was yeah. listen I was now even teaching I think I was teaching I was now the lecturer hey, yeah you're better than Jesus you're asking who do you say that I am you're, you're <laughs> the level of excellence that is, 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 no, is, you gotta let me you gotta let me know who you said that I am it was crazy you know but yeah. but um at this point now it was, this was now the happy-go-lucky phase, mm -hmm. right? This was now the negative effects hadn't begun to manifest. And so it was enjoyable, right? Or we're mm. going out to drink, we are hungover. You know, you use the, the statements, avoid hangover, stay drunk. So when you come home, you sleep. And then when you wake up, you shower, you go out again. That's yeah. what my life was, like Monday to Sunday. And so when I got to university, this is now where the negative effects began to manifest. This mm. is now what about age, what age is so we're nine, 14. Now we're about 18, should I say? Yeah, now we're at 18. Yeah, perfect. so I go to university. Um I of course when you go to university, you look for you look for what you know, you look for the familiar. First thing I'm looking for is who are the drinkers, where are the drinking spots? Yeah. I was I wasn't even there to get a degree to further my, you know, that's that's not what took me. That was there so that, my so father that's paid school, tuition. So that's, so the skill you had of identification that you're using before to identify the best people in music, the best people in arts, the best people I, in whatever, you're yeah. not using it and using the best people in alcoholism. You're a genius. Absolutely. You I was looking for the menace. drinking spots and I was looking for the drinkers. Jeez. I wasn't looking for no authors club. Like I even forgot, at this point, I had even dropped all my writing, all my reading, all that stuff. All I wanted now was I need the high. Like it became so bad. And now at 18 is when I began smoking. Um, I started to smoke at 18. So what happened is I started to drink, like now there's this newfound freedom, it's university. 
this mm. newfound freedom. There's nobody who's checking on me about, you know, have you gone to class and this and that. So I would be so hungover. I'm missing class. I'm not doing my, my assignments. And so by the end of the semester, mm. by the end of the semester, I either not pass well or I'm barely just getting to pass. Yeah, yeah. That was first year, first semester. Now, second semester of first well, before year. Before go to second year. Yeah. I have a question. I didn't even make it to second year, sir. Oh, congratulations. Second semester of first year. The second oh semester. Second I chewed my tuition. Yeah, I chewed the tuition. I chewed the tuition and I was like, you know what? I'm going to drink this money. I'm going to find a way to pay this money back. Do you see now that now the negative effects had begun to manifest? Mm. And so I chewed my tuition. Now, let me tell you something about tuition money. Tuition money is cursed. You can, you can touch any kind of money, you know, and say, let me use this money. I'll pay it back. The minute you touch tuition money that has been hard earned and paid by your parents, you will look for the money to repay that money and you won't find it. Ask anybody to tell you. You will, you will not find the money to replace it. And trust me, the entire semester, I failed to get the money to replace it. It was a lot of money. I was in a private university, one of the best private universities in Uganda. Very expensive, very, very expensive. And I chewed all the money. I chewed it in about four days, <laughs> drinking, you know, in the first week. And so long story short, um, I knew I was messed. And so I started to drink so I could forget that I, I, I messed up my life. I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my dad. So I just drank the entire semester away. And towards the end of the semester, I just, you know, I started now to think clearly. And then I was like, I have to tell my dad. And so I called my dad. Thank and you. I had pause there. Because remember, yeah? I, thought I, had a, I had a question I wanted to ask you. Yeah. It was to do with dad and your brother, right? Mm. There are people that you naturally look up, or your, your dad more, more, more from what I've figured, was your, like, your role model. But obviously, he was always away with, obviously, traveling with airplanes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Et cetera. Where was he in, in this multiverse of madness that you're partaking in? Where was he? He worked across the border. He worked in the country next door. Oh, so you're, yeah, yeah. So explains why you did, did the madness. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yes. like my entire, like right from the year 2001 to 2012, my father mm. lived and worked in Kenya. So he'd come home for like a week and then go away. And go you back pretend for that like week, every, that week you'd be the best version of yourself. You just yeah. pretend that you are the perfect golden girl that he knows. Yeah, like my father gone. didn't know that I used to drink. Jesus. There's actually a housemate who tried to tell him and he, he sucked her, I remember. He sucked and he said, how dare you spread lies about my daughter? Wow. She told him, your daughter brings guys home and stuff like that. She, he sacked her on spot. He said, how well, dare you bring that's, that's lies to my home? He came to rescue yeah. her. But, and knowing, knowing that you're the victim, you are, you are the villain, you are the problem. Yeah. But um, anyway, um, let me just try and, and fast forward. So I had to lie to my dad. I told him, hey, dad, um, so my dad and I, Growing up, my dad and I had this kind of bond. We were inseparable, my father and I. Anything that Rebecca asked for, it came, whatever it was. Whatever Rebecca said, went. Like, it was even an issue with other family members, like aunts and uncles. They said, you spoil this girl too much. Like, this, da, 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 da. it was an issue, real huge issue. And so I called up my dad, and I had to lie to him. I told him, 
what was the lie I told him? I told him, I don't like the course that I'm doing here. I don't think it's in line with what I want to do in the future. Mm. And my dad being the very, you know, he's a very reserved person. He's someone who speaks when spoken to. He's not, mm -hmm. he doesn't have idle chat and banter and stuff like that. So I told him and he said, oh, okay, um, come home. Let's see what we can do. We can get to another university. And I packed up my stuff from the uni and I went home and I started to look for another university. And by God's grace, I, I applied for another university and I got admitted to another course that I wanted to do. You know, this is this is second chance, start over. And, you know, now first your, dad, step, your dad loves you so much. Yeah, no, he, trust me, you have no idea. It's, it's, it's. You you understand in the in the long run. Listen, the enemy is not foolish. The devil is a very smart individual. Yeah. yeah no, I, I I always say this. I always say the devil has time on mankind. I don't know why mankind think they're so special. Exactly. We are, we, no, we're very special. We're special, but I don't know why we think he's foolish. This man has started even greater men than me. King David. He started exactly. Him. Like he has the advantage. He's been called so many things, but the word the, the word foolish removed it's it from one. the description. It should be called so wise. what happened is, is I went to the university. First year, first semester was good. It was a Christian university, right? But of course now it became an issue for me because I, I always wanted to either smoke during the day or to drink and stuff like that. So in the second semester, I found a way to sleep off campus in a hostel off of campus. And so I got to meet, cause now I was now in first year. So my other friends who I was with in high school and people I knew were in second year. So I was the first year kid who was hanging out with the second years. And so they were that made you look cool. That, yeah. That made you come look like, oh, she must be cool for the second year to be chilling with her as a first year. Yeah, yeah so, wow. yeah, so, so, I was always hanging out with them and they would, you know, they would have daytime parties. So I would either be skipping class or I party with them all night and don't go to class the next day. So second, second semester of first year went down the drain. And so I couldn't proceed to go to second year. And so it hit me that mm. I just messed up my second opportunity. And I just went on a downward spiral. I just, I couldn't even tell my dad that I had messed up, I couldn't. So what I did is my father kept giving me money for tuition. My father kept me in university till third year, but I was not going to class. I would, I would get the tuition, pay for a hostel and just drink. That's, that's what I was doing. And so all this can time- I, Can I ask, what were you drinking? What, was, what, what, what pain were you trying to numb? What was, what, was, what was it that, apart from the enjoyment, I'm sure enjoyment was probably one of the factors that was there. But yeah. Do you know specifically now that obviously you've matured, you've reassessed it? What mm -hmm. was it that was you can say, you know what? I was trying to mask this, I was trying to yeah, um almost cope from this, but I didn't know that it was right. this that I was gonna cope from. Of course. I mean, at this point, there's a lot of things. I mean, at this point, it's you know, when as 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 a woman, when you start to be exposed to drinking and the opposite sex, a lot of things happened. I had my first abortion when I was in second year. I condemned myself for that. Not second year, first first year in university. And so I, I condemned myself for that. I felt like a failure because I was like, this is something my father would never be proud of. Mm. I was skipping, like I was, I was failing school. 
as someone who's been brilliant and someone who's been always celebrated by my father, I felt like, man, che, we've lost the plot. Like, what's happening here? Mm. Like, my entire life sucked. Do you understand? Yeah. The, the people who, you know, the people who used to be like, the guys who would be like, wow, you know, Che is so cool. She drinks and this and this. When they started mm. to see the negative stuff happening in my life, they too began to push themselves away. So I, I started to see myself as like a failure. Like nobody wants me anymore. My relatives, of course, Uganda is a very small, it's a very small country. Kampala is a very small town. So mm. word travels, people talk. Now, even if it was a big country, yeah. people from Kampala, they talk. People talk and, yeah. you know, people talk, especially when you come from like an affluent family. And especially, know? especially in your case, when you were the favorite yeah. child. Exactly. So now, finally, we have leverage. So all this, yes. Yeah. yeah. We've been trying now, to catch here's, you. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the mm. kicker. People would meet me in the bar and they're like, Che, wow. Because I look like my mom so much, so much. And they meet me in the bar with like a drink and a cigarette. And they're like, Che, wow, you remind us so much of mom. And for me, I took that as a compliment. Do you understand? For me, I was like, yes, mom lives on in me, you know, stuff like that. And then as the years went by, of course, word starts to reach you that relatives are saying this and that people now started saying but are you surprised her mother used to drink do you see that so that it kind of like it messed me up in so many ways mm, I could literally predict that I've, I've flopped like my life is a mess um my father now at this point my father started to notice that I drink because mm. whenever he would come home from Kenya I would go out and party at night, come in the morning. But I mean, I'm now like 21 years old. He's not gonna come asking me what are you like, you know, I'm not a teenager. So he didn't know how to approach, I, I, this is what I think. I think he didn't know how to approach it. Like how mm -hmm. do I start with her? And so for me, it's all that I knew. Me, I knew nighttime, I have to be in a bar. I have to be, so like that was my life. I was a nocturnal, yeah. And so eventually um, my father got to find out that I wasn't in school. In, I think when I was meant to be in third year, I didn't look like any student who was writing a thesis or a dissertation. Mm -hmm. So I think he made a trip to the university and he went and asked for my transcript, like the results. Mm -hmm. And he came home with it and he planted it in front of me. And you know, it was just three years of blank results. And it was, it was a whole mess. It, it broke my heart so much, the look in his eyes, because he didn't say anything. His eyes were just, you know, it was just heartbreak. And so I remember I just got up from the house. I left home for about one week. I went to a friend's house and I was just drinking the entire time because I didn't know how to deal with it. I, did, I, I didn't know what to say to him. Because really and truly, you had, to a degree, made um, image out of glass of your hero. Yeah. And then there was a camera in your house and you smashed the image yourself mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then they came to you the footage and hey, look what you've done to your hero. Yeah. And obviously that's your hero. That's someone that you knew out of everyone in your whole entire family always had your back, no right. matter what. In fact, even fired and made because, <laughs> because <laughs> of you. I mean, so I could imagine why that could um, 
be um, strenuous on, on you. Yeah, as a human being, and you know, it, it actually got even worse. It got even worse. Um, basically, my my dad, you know, he he literally gave up on me. He told me, "I'm not going to give you any more money. You're going to live mm. in this house, but you know, don't expect anything from me. Figure like figure yourself out, because I don't know what to do with you. Who like what this drinking of yours? You know." Like, what is this drinking of yours? Who's paying for these drinks? Who's taking you out? Who's bringing you home? You understand? And so... But could it, could it, it was, be that even for him, at that moment, he was having almost PTSD of a failed... No, yeah. I, remember, he's already failed one woman. but Not, not failed, that's probably the wrong word, but to him, maybe he felt like, I failed your mother. Yeah. Right? And in hindsight, I actually understood what he was going through because he yeah. saw it manifest in his wife. He didn't know what to do with that. Now he's seeing it happen in his youngest Again. daughter. He doesn't know what to do with that. The two people and that so, he's ever loved the most. Exactly. Now and so he's, yeah. Yeah. eventually, it didn't take very long. Um, in about, anyway, a lot of things happened. And eventually my father woke up one day. From the day I was born, I've never heard my father raise his voice. He raised his voice at me this day and he said, just know he said a lot of things, very hurtful things. He said, one day I'm going to be called to pick your body from a morgue. You know, um, he said a lot of things. He said, you're your mother's daughter. He said so many things. And then he that told is just me, his pain from what yeah. he went through with his wife now. Just Meanwhile, this day he's speaking to me and I'm hungover. It's like 6 a.m. I had come home drunk. And so he was so mad. And he told me, when I leave, I'm leaving the house, but when I come back later today, I don't want to find you here. Mm. So in my mind, in that moment, I was like, okay, yeah, dad is angry. You know, it's that last statement that I just did. I said, he can't be kicking me out of his house. He can't, like, mm. this, like this is all I've ever known in my life. Like where, mm. all I've known is the four walls of his home, like where? And so eventually, yeah, it hit me like, he left the house and then at midday he calls the, the housemaid and the maid comes to my room and she says, dad just called and he asked me whether you're still home. So it hit me and I'm like, my father is kicking me out of the house. Mm. Okay. I, I, I literally don't know anything about how, how do you find a house? I didn't know about brokers and do you understand? I, yeah, I didn't yeah. know anything. And so I packed up a small bag. I got um, some photos of my mom. I picked up my the little academic papers that I had, my passport. Um, I packed up a bag with some, some clothes in it. And at that time, I had a job at a, an advertising agency. And mm -hmm. so I lived in the ad agency for 30 days for mm -hmm. about a month. Yeah, mm -hmm. I lived there for about a month until I was able to cohabit with a friend of mine who was looking for a house. And eventually I got there. But even the drinking had affected my job. Like I couldn't keep a job for more than three months. Either I would fire myself or they would fire me. You know, it was crazy. I was going out drinking till seven in the morning and then going straight to office mm. for a new day of work. Like that's, that was literally the life I was living. And do you know and what, then, I, you know what I want from you? Yeah. I, obviously I got meeting at 8 p.m. with mm -hmm. your mentor, with your hero. Yeah. Mr. Toby Ariomi. Um, what we're going to do is I want to remain in this space here and then okay. we'll then navigate and do part two where we'll speak about how you then transition into what you are now so from, right. from here until 5-2 let's just remain here in okay. this story 
not the story, right. but this kind of like field, and they will navigate to TV, radio, uh, author, yeah. all that kind of stuff on part two, so that people don't get, get confused. But please proceed. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Okay, you're going to keep a just... job for three weeks, for three months. You're going to keep a job because you'd fire yourself. Yeah, I couldn't keep time. a job. So I was literally mm. just being fired and then I'd get another job. I'd either fire myself, like I wake up hungover and I'm like, I'm not going to work. Oh, I'll just keep work. Oh, I'll just be like, they don't even pay me that much anyway. And I switch off my phone. Like I was living a very chaotic life, Clapton. Mm. I don't think you understand. It was so chaotic. <laughs> and no, I, I kid you not, it was so chaotic. Like mm. even my friends started to, you know, everyone in Kampala drinks. That's what I'm going to say. Mm. But by the time drunkards start moving away from you or gravitating away from you, there's a problem. And that's hey. what had began to happen. And so this person now who I was cohabiting with, mm -hmm. um, eventually the job that I had got, I fired myself from it. So I couldn't pay rent. Yeah. So four months go by, this guy is asking me, he's like, so what's up? Like, why aren't you paying the rent? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we, we began to, to like knock heads a lot. Mm -hmm. So eventually now in that space, when I had no job, I couldn't pay rent. It was a very dark time for me because in all this time, it had been about a year since my father had kicked me out of the house. Mm -hmm. And I woke up one day and I was like, oh my goodness. I had, I, I went into, um, a, into, a, I had a nervous breakdown. Mm. And a thought came in my mind and I said, it's been a year and my father has not even checked on me. He doesn't know where his daughter is. He doesn't know if his daughter is alive. He doesn't know where his daughter stays. And I just went in a depressive state. I switched off my phone. I didn't eat for a week. I was just smoking and drinking. Now I, I didn't even have money. So I was drinking the very crude sachets. Like if you walked into my room, let me tell you something funny. Towards my mom's death, she would drink from her room with the light off in her bed towards her death, like for six months. I was doing exactly the same thing. I would switch off the light, sit on the floor of my room. And, you know, I didn't even know that in that moment, I didn't even know that this is what mom would do. I just started thinking about it years later, like, oh my goodness, I would sit on the floor of my room the entire night and I'm smoking and I'm drinking so and listening you, to music on my phone. You escaped death because literally it seems like Listen. there was a pattern and there was a conclusion yeah. which was pending. We, 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 we're just getting started, sir. We're just getting started. Is this, just, this is the trailer of the movie. This is a trailer. Jesus. My friend us. woke up one day, the housemate mm. woke up one day and said, Che, I don't know what's going on with you. You see, now this, this comes into the issue of we don't know how to deal with people who are struggling with addiction. Mm. He woke up and said, I don't know what, this is somebody who was my very close friend. Like he was a fellow DJ, you understand? And so he tells me, you know, Che, I don't know what's going on with you. Yeah. Right. But just even forget the four months of rent you haven't paid. Carry what you're carrying and leave this house. Now, remember when I was in my dad's house, I had a job, yeah? So I went to, I could go to the office and I was living there. This time, I had nowhere to go. So from June, 2016 to February 7th, 2020, I was homeless on the streets of Kampala for three you know and what? a half years. You know what? 
My bad. I thought I had life hard. No, no, I did. I did. We didn't do that. And that's not to diminish the, the pain I've been through. Because the pain I've been through, someone else, is yeah. it's, it's traumatic. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But when I hear this, I've been living in heaven, clearly. <laughs> clearly, it's like, it's my crazy, hell is yeah. heaven. If, my hell, if I told you my hell, you would take it in a heartbeat. Mm. So from the year 2016, yeah, to 2020, to 2020 that's four years, yeah, almost that's four, four years. That's four 12 months, yeah, and you are homeless, yeah. Who are your friends? Listen, everybody wants to be with a drunkard until the drunkard becomes a drunkard. So, but then when you became what you became, the core is, Oh, we knew you could make it, yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's just weird. It's just weird. You you just let God use you as you want him to use you. Like, you know, you get calls from people who abandoned you and you just have to handle it with grace. So like Joseph, because, become Joseph. Yeah, because I punished myself so much because people abandoned me and I blamed people so much. I was like, my friends, listen, if there was a victim, you should have met Che between 2016 to 2020. I, every problem that I had in life, I used to wear it here and here. My mom was an alcoholic and she died. My father kicked me out of the house. Nobody likes me. My relatives don't like me. I can't mm. find a job. Nobody wants to hire me. I, da, 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 da. I had every excuse and it was valid. And mm. listen, it, 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 was a, it was a crazy time because it, that mindset kept me there. You know, the funny thing is they say, if you see, if you, if you sit, in poop too long, it stops smelling. Absolutely. And the, the worst thing is that, you know, we, and I found this out the hard way, because when I got to the streets, I found so many people who I knew back in high school and in university. Like their, their harmless drinking had turned into something totally different. These guys now were even on hard drugs. I, by God's grace, I had started doing in in university i had tried marijuana oh yeah for some reason i did it i did it it hit me so hard so hard i even started selling it i used to sell it in university hey yeah i I was deep you should have met me i was listen like escobar has nothing on me listen i was i was chaotic you know if i I kid you not yeah if 50 cent hears this podcast conversation power season four it's a bit different He's listening. He's going to use you as a character. He's going to say, "Listen, listen." It was crazy, but I did. I had my session when I I had my season in life where I did like marijuana. But I, it used to knock me out so much because I used to drink. I used to drink a lot. I was Mm. drinking about two bottles in a night. Yeah, and so yeah, in a sitting, I was drinking about two bottles, like huge bottles. And then I have cigarettes, and then I add marijuana. Somewhere, somehow, a voice of clarity told me, Che, pick a poison. Otherwise, you're, you're going to die, literally. So I said, let the marijuana go. Because I couldn't, I, I didn't like the whole paranoid feeling that it gave me. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, I'm already crazy, drunk. Yeah. Why do I need to be paranoid? It was insane. So um, years later, I'm now on the streets. And now I come and I, 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 I was meeting people like on the streets, people I used to drink with back in the day. These are people from affluent families their parents have kicked them out of the house. So this is basically the protocols. So yeah. The, the, the promised you that the promised child, um, children 
were now living a desolate. Listen, we were on the streets and you think we were sad? We were not sad. Mm. We were drinking crude alcohol and sharing cigarettes and we loved, you see the streets. This is the thing. I was trying to explain to somebody the other day. Family, we need to understand the attack that the enemy has launched on family. Mm. We need, however chaotic a family member becomes, do not remove him from the covering of a home. Mm. People don't understand the covering that homes and families provide to people. And when you kick someone to the streets, do you know how loving the streets are? Oh, yeah. The streets are so loving, but they will kill you slowly with that love. Mm. All the alcohol that I wanted, all the sick, all the drugs, whatever I wanted to do, I could do it freely and find it freely on the streets. I mean, I was a lady, first of all. And it was all masked would, with love. We love you. Here you go. Exactly. Like the streets were so welcoming. Do you mm. understand? Like you walk into a place, people don't even know you. I would go into bars. Now, this is the thing about Kampala. Kampala is, is like drinking central. There are bars that open at five in the morning and close at midnight. Then there are those that open at 5 p.m. and close in the morning. So you, you, can't, you can't lack a place to sit and pass mm. time. So that's how I would survive on the street. Because well, bars were my familiar At least to a degree, you, you were still smart. You found a shelter. I, 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 I applaud you on that one. I mean, I can't. Listen, I can't the streets, you have to be smart. And the worst thing is that now on the streets, I couldn't be book smart. Mm. Do you understand? I couldn't be book smart. Like people don't even English. I had to, I had to stop speaking English. And speaking because when people hear you speak English, they one either you're going to become a target or they're going to like take advantage of you. Listen, be, as we say, we're to conclude for now. Yeah. David understood this. David or Dave King David is a genius. I, I, I said people here, yeah, started yeah. that guy. He's a, bloody, he's a bloody genius. In his time of persecution from King Saul. Yeah, he went to the very nation that he had killed their champion Goliath and pretended right. to be sick. The man pretended because he realized, listen, if I come here as a champion of Israel, yeah, <laughs> they, they will deal with me, they will deal yeah. with me, and I will not survive because, on one end, I've got so looking for me, yeah I, yeah, I can't go back down there. Like, you, you couldn't you couldn't go back down there. Number two, you couldn't be yourself in this land because if you're exactly. yourself, you're not a target again. So you became them. That's that's very small. Adaptive. You become adaptive to the environment. I had to become the streets. Yeah. You have to become them. Otherwise, listen, you have to neutralize the threat. Ah, listen, the I have no, no. book on the art of war from what I learned in the streets. Let's stop Ooh. there. You have let's pause there. You have to neutralize the threat. You, you say before yeah. ending, we said that how, how do you want to conclude this part one? This this in this, this trailer. How do you want to conclude it? How would you want to conclude the trailer? All I can say is this was this was the chapter of of my life which I shouldn't have made it out of alive. So guys, you heard it first. This is this is the trailer. The seventh episode. It is just a trailer. This was a part of her life that she shouldn't have made it out alive. And she said that you have to become what you have to become to neutralize the threat. We'll see you soon, guys, when we actually dive into the podcast conversation. Thank you. <laughs>